0: Hey, so just to give you a little backstory of how Andrea and I got in contact with each other. I first I want to thank Nadia. I have her here. Thank you, Nadia.
1: Backstory for everyone listening. Um, Basically, I've been following art to action for a while. Um, I don't particularly remember at what point I found it, but it was on my Facebook feed. um, And I saw that there was like Tampa Arab Fest that popped up in my Facebook feed when Elia was in Tampa. And I was like, Hey, you might want to check this out and see what it's
0: about. And it was the day of and I just I was able to make it. And that's where I saw Andrea and saw some really awesome performances, too. And Nadia is a dancer. And there was... I am? (laughs) I know, right? Just reminding you that you're a dancer. So one of the dancers is Amira Saket. One thought I had, I was like, oh, I wish Nadia and Amira could dance together someday at Yellow Punk. And it's still in my head. I'm like, I really hope they someday show up at Yellow Punk together. So, well,
1: if you're listening to this. Yeah, somewhere.
0: Amira, hand <laughs> hint, hint. And we're also Arabic. Nadia and I are Arabic practice partners
1: yeah it's hilarious because um we're we're like both bad but in really different ways yeah so i like i i speak like conversational badly and then like you've done actual arabic classes which have nothing to do with what i know
0: but then i can't talk (laughs) i'm like hey i can read this phonetically you you can read
1: some and i can't read it all i can just kind of um talk until I run out of words. But but we're both really non-judgmental, which has um, been really helpful for me, just, like, being yeah. able to talk without feeling like I'm going to be judged for being bad.
0: Yeah, and we do stuff like We learn a song together in Arabic, and that's one way we can find, like, something we can work on and learn the same words, same vocab. Right, because you can look
1: at the actual um, written lyrics in Arabic, which I can't read, and then I can be like, I know those words. Exactly, and
0: you can be like, (laughs) oh, that word. (laughs) It's been really good. So anyway, Nadia, I just want to thank you so much for telling me about the Arab Fest. It was really a huge bonus to the trip that I didn't expect. And it was really meaningful to me because that's where my parents used to live. Yeah, it was one of my mom's first introductions to any Arab culture. It was like early on um, when they had first met. And so it was really cool to be at an Arab Fest that happened to be in Tampa. It was just... That's awesome. And, yeah, and it was because of Nadia that I found out about the organization. I mean,
1: like, I feel like I slightly bent the fate of the internet towards
0: you. I know. You did. Um,
1: So thank you, fates of the internet. Um, And, yeah, I'm glad you got to have that experience. Thanks
0: all for listening. Peace. Bye. Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Alia. And Ali. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and a lesbian.
2: I am bi-trans Lebanese, and we're here recording in Houston and...
0: And in Tampa hey y'all hey recently ellie and i were in tampa we were visiting friends and i had no idea that the arab fest was going to happen but my friend her name is nadia kairala she's a dancer she's awesome anyway she knew that i was in tampa and she said hey i follow this organization called art to action yeah so she had seen a post about the arab fest and she said you should check this out so i that was the day of and it was just in time for me to make it to the event and it just it was such a nice bonus to our trip and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, just seeing all these creative people together was, it's like nourishing for sure. Yeah, it's so great that
3: you were able to be here for Arab Fest Tampa because it was actually art to first collaborating with the Arab American Community Center that produces the festival every year. They both in Tampa and Orlando and I've performed at their festival before when I first moved to Florida a few years back, Um, but this time we were able to actually be a major sponsor and bring some hip-hop artists to tampa uh to be part of the festival so that we had a really nice mix of like traditional we had like deb k we had you know uh additional kind of ballads and classical arab music and then we also had um rapping and break dancing and yeah. a whole bunch of other uh really cool stuff as well as some local artists who are not arab um because of, we were really trying to be inclusive and you know, yeah. model different communities of color supporting each other uh, and coming out for that. So I'm, I'm so glad you made it for that. That's right. Yeah,
0: I appreciated that aspect of it, the diversity among the performers. That I think was really important. So can you tell people about a little back about your background, like your background, Swana wise, um, what kinds
3: of things you do work wise, um, where you grew up, whatever you want to share. Uh, So my name is Andrea Saf. I'm Lebanese-American. I'm like third generation on my father's side. My mother's side is white American. I identify as an Arab-American queer woman. I am a theater artist by training. I'm also a writer. Uh, I do a range of different kinds of performance from like theater to poetry and spoken word to like interdisciplinary collaborations and massive festival things. I was actually born in Virginia, but I didn't live there long. My family uh, moved around a lot. So I grew up um, in the D.C. area and then later Pennsylvania. And then I lived a long time in New York City. Uh, And as an adult artist, I just kind of have been moving around, you know, based on where the work is uh, and where life takes me. And now I'm in Tampa, Florida.
0: Yeah. What specifically brought you to Tampa?
3: Actually my partner. Oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, my partner got a tenure track, uh, job
2: yeah. at a,
3: as a faculty at a university and, uh, and got tenure. So Good. we, uh, we're settled here now. Congratulations. Awesome.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, Tampa is a nice city. I had never been until we were just there. And I really, I liked it. It was, I don't know, there, there seemed to be a lot going on. I liked the, I forget the name of where the Arab Fest happened.
3: Waterworks Park, that's a pretty new uh <sighs> An area for Tampa on the on the river.
0: I liked all of the. There was this nice market. Just a lot going on. A really great view of the water.
3: Yeah, and most yeah. people don't know that Central Florida has a really enormous um, population of folks who are Arab or from the Middle East or mm-hmm. um, Muslim communities. Tampa's a very international city, actually, uh, and people don't often um, associate that with Florida. But you know, we're not as big as Miami, but we're uh, a very diverse city
2: actually. Actually when I was going around there I was there separately um, hanging out with my best friend and when we were looking around for decent food I was like wow there was a lot of Arab grocers and butchers out here and I was just like this is awesome. So pleasantly surprised.
0: (laughs) And I do have a tie to Tampa because well St. Petersburg which is for people listening, it's right next to Tampa. But um, my father, who is from Saudi Arabia, went to study. He he went to study in St. Petersburg. And he and my mom, who he met here in the US, um, they ended up living in St. Petersburg for a while. And I had never been my whole life, but I always heard about the area. And I, my mom always talked about it and talked about um, the large, at least in the 80s, probably, I mean, probably still the large population of Arab students. And
3: Um, specifically, at least at that time. That's still true. Um, Here, well, on the Tampa side at uh, the University of South Florida campus, actually one of the populations is Saudi, and and that campus has uh, more than 13 student associations that serve Arab, Middle Eastern, or Muslim students. Damn. Yeah, and a lot of them are, are interconnected. Um, you know, some of them are, you know, religious organizations. Some of them are cultural organizations or political, like students in solidarity with Syria or SJP for Palestine. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's actually a very active community. And St. Pete's really cute. There's a really large um, visual arts community there, and it's also a lot more gay. And so, I, you know, kind of sad that I can't live in St. Pete, but it's a long commute across the bridge. It, it is a great town, though.
0: That's awesome. I didn't, I never realized it was a gay, particularly gay friendly place. Oh yeah. St. Petersburg totally. Yeah.
3: Oh, sweet.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We were there briefly. I I was glad to see it because that's where my parents lived. And um, the friends I was with, they had found a particular ice cream shop that they really wanted to go to. And we started driving and we realized just how far it was, but it was worth it because I I was just happy to see the area. Yeah. But
2: then again, we're sort of set to Houston driving times where it's like half an hour. Oh, Right around the corner.
0: Seriously, yeah. I know. After this recording, I'm going to a class that I take. It's about 40-minute drive, and to me, that's
2: it's like, oh, it's right here. <laughs> right, it's like around the corner.
0: I know. Oh, it's ridiculous. And yeah, can you tell everyone a little about Art to Action and a little more about what it does, um, what the yeah, what the mission is? And
3: sure. In yeah. 2010, I founded a nonprofit arts organization called Art to Action Inc. And um, I actually started making work under that name, like way back in 2003, probably, or even 2001. But, you know, I formally incorporated the organization in 2010, and the mission is to support the work of artists of color, queer and trans-identified artists, women-identified artists, you know, folks that um, are making original contemporary work in performance or other genres, but you know, whose work doesn't always get supported because of the issues of inequity that are systemic in the arts field like everywhere else. You know, uh, artists of color, LGBTQ and, and women artists don't get as much support kind of systematically um so we wanted to be really proactive about saying you know this is who this organization is for and this is the kind of work that we want to see receive support and we're gonna help do that um so you know a number of artists who were founding board members and members of the collective that helped start it and um and we do basically uh three different things we um support the development of original performance so sometimes that's my work projects that i'm the lead artist or touring or sometimes that's projects that other board members or collaborating artists are doing. We present uh, work in Tampa which means we present artists from around the country and sometimes internationally, uh, sometimes in collaboration with other um, community organizations like the Arab Festival was in collaboration with the Arab American Community Center of Florida or uh, we've done a lot of programs. We did a whole two-year program called This Bridge that was about um, Arab, Middle Eastern, and Muslim women artists, mostly women. We had one trans-identified artist in the group. Hell yeah. Yes. (laughs) One is not enough. Uh, And also, I'm really glad that that artist was there. And shout Mm -hmm. out to Amir Rabia in the Bay in San Francisco um, was part of that series. But that was at the University of South Florida. And uh, and then we do other things. Uh, We do other community-based programs and cultural organizing. And that really works with a range Range of communities, sometimes um, specifically around women, and um, you know s- stories of survival and empowerment. And sometimes uh, we did a uh, we've done a multi-year program for military veterans. Which has really been an interesting learning process for me, and uh, and more recently we're working with organizations that serve refugees in the Tampa Bay area, because um, we're a refugee a refugee welcome city in Tampa, and we receive a lot of Iraqi and Syrian refugees as well as folks from all over the world. That's
0: awesome. And what are some other projects that Art to Action has worked on? So you mentioned the two year program,
3: and then the Arab Fest. Sure. Well, I mentioned the the veteran program, uh, which actually started because I was directing a show. I was invited to direct a show by another theater company called the Carpetbag Theater, which is based in Tennessee. Um, and the show was about um, an African-American woman soldier who comes back from Iraq and is struggling with post-traumatic stress and moral injury and feelings of suicide. Yeah and the show is about how she, you know, decides to live or survive. And so I needed to do a lot of research. And if I was going to direct to that show it, about understanding, uh, well, what is it? What has it been like for women who've been sent to, into combat and um, for women of color to be in the Middle East? And what is this thing called moral injury, um, which I learned about in the process of the show so with that I, we did a partnership with the, the VA, the Veterans administration and I was teaching arts workshops in a psychosocial rehabilitation and recovery center, which is you know a center for folks who've come out of a crisis moment um, usually because they've recently attempted suicide and they're now in a recovery process. And so we were trying to make artistic experiences and self-expression and creativity part of that healing process. So out of that was born this pro- program that we do called the Veterans Community Open Mic, which is still an ongoing thing once a month in Tampa. It's a really fun open mic. And it just creates a space for people to, you know, ex- express themselves no matter who they are, and also um, tell some real stories and some real truth about mm-hmm. And uh, I've been lucky to and blessed to work, you know, with some veterans who came out of that experience uh, as activists and as people who now want to work for peace and who want, you know, tell the truth about what the U.S. has done. Because sometimes, you know, I say this a lot, that sometimes there are a lot of people, especially in Florida, (laughs) Mm -hmm. across America right now, who will never actually come see my work or would never actually listen to me because i'm an Adam. but if veteran has the same message about the about the wars that we've been involved in Mm -hmm. uh, and about U.S. military intervention in the Middle East um, then they'll reach a whole other audience that maybe right and so if really if i really care about change if i really care about impact then i have to have to be willing to find those collaborators who are yeah. uh, who, who wanna do that work and have that message. Um, so that's what that project has been about for me.
2: What I really love about this is, you are reaching outside of the sort of traditional, you know, leftist bubble of LGBT arts mm-hmm. and reaching out into the veterans community. And I know like reaching into the Arab American community can sometimes be very much outside that bubble as well. And mm-hmm. You know, I know some people like around, at least in my circles, who are very uncomfortable re- around veterans from the recent wars because of the anti-Arab bias a lot of them come back with on top of that. So like for yeah. you to be like slotting these people together and getting them to work together and reaching all three groups. Yeah,
3: that's huge. That um, is
2: seriously impressive.
3: It's yeah. true. It's also, well, I'll tell you, when I first started doing that work, I, I think it was one of the scariest things I've ever done. Here I am, Arab I and queer. yeah
0: well yeah and in
3: Florida now
0: in Florida yeah
3: right and sometimes you know but I think that that's what art asks us to do it asks us to go where we're scared it asks us to creatively face our fears and believe in the possibility of a different of a different world that that another world is possible right so the thing is that people are humans and humans are complex and they surprise me all the time, mm-hmm. and so you know, some people come back with increased Islamophobia and increased anti Arab hatred, yeah, and some people have just the opposite is they they go and they meet real people even in a war zone they make human connections and they come back thinking this is not at all what we were told it is right Right. and one of the things that really stuck with me when i first started working with that population was i was doing a workshop and there was this guy who had been had a leadership position in the military and he'd been stationed in the middle east and he was gay And he kind of very quietly came out to me on the side. And then he'd like, you know, come over and like whisper things to me, like from time to time, and like make queer jokes and stuff that he wouldn't make to the full group. And one time in my workshop, he wrote this beautiful poem about how he fell in love with the desert and how he wishes he could live there. But he knows he never could because of what he's done. Whoa! Right. So those kind of moments, like, actually give me hope for humanity and make me confront my own assumptions about who I think people are. I mean, this is a white guy right. who's in the military, right? All through "Don't Ask, Don't Tell,"
0: right? And he's had, to, yeah, he's had to suppress his own identity. Right. It's like choose between your profession and your
2: and your life. And your-
0: and, and just, yeah, and just hearing him own up, even, you know, through artistic expression, kind of own up to the way he contributed to this event or the events, like, yeah. that's huge. And I think, I think you're right, everyone being human, we all, almost all of us have the desire to break down walls. Um, and it's really hard to know how to do that. Sometimes people on the opposite end of the political spectrum as us, I think a lot of people on that end of things probably do want to break down walls and also don't know how and so it's it's nice to just be able to start having conversations even if you know we
2: are massively uncomfortable with some of these people
0: massively uncomfortable don't don't agree with everything um but then we find certain things we can agree with and we can work with that as a start
3: yeah i mean i think we have to you know the 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 country, our our country in the United States, is in a place where if we don't figure out how to heal these divides and have mm-hmm. dialogue across, there's too much violence at stake. And yeah. what is happening here is happening is influencing what happens around the world, like the massacre in New Zealand that just happened, mm-hmm. right? Yep. This guy uh, quoting Donald Trump in his manifesto, exactly. If yeah. we don't deal with what's happened in this country and try as, you know, the creators of alternative media, as culture makers, as creative minds to, to change the direction that it's going in, then who is going to do it, right? Yeah. We have to step into those spaces of feeling really uncomfortable. And and also we have to do it safely, right? We have to do it in a supportive way. We have to make sure we have our support systems and we yes. have our allies in whatever institutions or organizations we're working with, so that um, so that we stay safe in the process.
0: We can't like isolate ourselves,
3: right? Definitely. But the, st- the stakes are real, and you know we're being called, I think, to be courageous in a whole new way, and. Um,
0: uh, for everyone listening, this is, we're recording this on March 18th. This won't come out for like another month. So uh, so the New Zealand event just happened.
2: It's still very much news.
0: It's still very raw and it still will be in a month. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot, about how our country truly has a direct impact and what what we do has such a
2: ripple effect. I feel like a lot of the divide is because like during the bush years and some of obama it's like no one wanted to talk about politics on an interpersonal level everyone's like just don't talk about it just ignore it Mm -hmm. you know don't make it political you shouldn't have political opinions if you're a professional and i feel like we're almost seeing the results of that because you know of like 10 15 years of just not talking about politics because whatever reason you know support support the president or i just don't want to fight with my uncle all the time or yeah that guy at work is spouting some white supremacist bullshit but i just need this job you know
3: yeah and also i think you know there's this interesting phenomenon that probably we couldn't have foreseen about social media is that it allows you to live in a bubble of people who think and feel like you Mm -hmm. if you you know if you select your friends that way and so it's almost like people live in different realities we have to break through that to like you know yeah. <laughs> to have to it's, it's almost like we're fighting for like what is truth like it, it's actually quite philosophical and profound like it's mm-hmm. there are these like very um urgent constant political battles but underneath of it is a like we don't even agree on reality and truth anymore
2: you know? Right,
3: yeah. And, and so I, I think that, that the only way to break through that, I, I believe, is through personal stories, and that's where art comes in. Is like you can argue all day about someone's political point of view, but you can't really argue with their story. If you stop long enough to hear their story, you can't actually look someone in the eye and say, that didn't happen to you. You have to actually, if you take in the fact that they're telling you their truth, then you have to reassess what you think you know. Yeah, right? So I think that that's the way to, to break through some of those divides.
0: It- forces you to see the humanity and people around you hearing those first-hand stories how can you argue with that this is a different topic but it's related so when I was it was when I walked away after being at the Arab fest and I was walking th- back to the parking lot and all that and I heard these I'm gonna label them bros <laughs> they were at the bar a bar near I heard one of them say what is this music because there was the Arab fest music still going and the guys around were like I don't fucking know Blah, blah, blah. but it also, I mean, I was annoyed, but also amused because I was like, you know, you're at your in your little bubble, but you're hearing people right next to you. This music might linger in your mind, despite maybe you want to separate yourself from it. But I just, I really liked the juxtaposition of where the events were happening, like the Arab Fest and then these this table
3: of bros. And I thought, this is good. That's actually get, gets to like the kind of work that I want to be doing now is is about visibility and presence. It's like we're yeah. here, but even people who live in Tampa, if they don't come into our spaces, if they don't hang out at you know our Arab groceries or the Lebanese restaurant or whatever, they might not even know how big a community we are. Yeah, they certainly don't go to the mosque or don't go to like the New Year's party with the Arab DJ, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really interested in actually creating more visibility for our community through like large public things. Like that's why the festival is exciting to me. Um, right now, I'm working on a project that I'm uh, fundraising for. Uh, hopefully, we'll get funded um, to bring an Egyptian muralist. Uh, to Tampa to do a permanent mural in the city of, of Tampa. So I actually, art to action is actually partnering with the city to do a permanent mural by an Egyptian artist, which will be amazing. amazing. Um, oh, and,
0: I hope it, oh, that's amazing. Yeah,
3: I totally hope yeah, it And yeah. then we, you know, the idea is like to do a block party and other, other ways of just saying, hey, we're here and we're fun and we're cool and we have art yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have like this whole incredible tradition of poetry and music. And it might be weird to you at first, but it might actually be pretty enticing to want to find out more. And, yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, have, have this cultural education by proximity,
0: right? Yeah, even yeah, just confronting people with
3: art with existence is sometimes enough. Right. Well, yeah. I, and it's like, um, it's kind of in a way, maybe I take that from the queer rights movement, right? The gay rights movement that said, mm-hmm. we're here, we're queer, get used to it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel I'm like we're here, we're out of get used to it. Like, you can either be mad at it, or we could have a party. Like, right. <laughs> what would you rather do? I mean,
0: there was way more dancing and food going on at the Arab Fest than at that table of guys, so
2: And I mean, I'm betting that whatever Lebanese restaurant you all are holding your local meetings at has way more flavor than like the Olive Garden. I,
0: and I didn't hear everyone agreeing around the table so I wonder if any of them were like oh man, I should be over there
3: Yeah, <laughs> They're yeah. having fun Yeah, so I'm sure there was like at least one person at that table who, who in their head was like, that sounds dope, I want to go check it mm. out, like, you know yep. and they may have been afraid to say that to their friends, but yeah. I think that, I forget who said this, but there's this famous quote about the idea that art should be seductive, that our role as artists is to make crossing these divides irresistible. Something that isn't scary, but that allures you and says, come check this out, be part of this, experience it, try something new. It's one of the things, I mean, sometimes I make work that is also very political and in your face and expresses anger or creates a space to mourn because our communities need that too. But sometimes the best way to engage people is through something that they'll enjoy. Yeah,
0: exactly. Having all of the different elements available to and accessible to people is great. Having that fun space sometimes, and then having the serious space where you have to be a little more vulnerable with each other—all of it matters. Yeah. Someone I remember really well. At uh, speaking of the artists, was Amira the dancer? She was amazing, and I'm so glad to have seen her. She was one of the dancers at the Arab Fest. What was, what was her last
3: name? Yeah, her name is Amira Sackett. She's yeah. currently based in Chicago. Uh, she's a hijabi hip-hop dancer. Yes, she's amazing. Uh, yeah, she's totally amazing. And oh my god,
2: her. you showed me that video. It was so I cool. I did show
0: you. And I even reached out to her and said, Hey, can you come to Yalla Punk sometime? It's this festival in Philly that a friend of ours is the organizer. It's called Yalla Punk. Cool. And I wrote to Amira. I was like, Can you please try to come to Yalla Punk someday? And she said, Yeah, I'll t- I'll, I'll do my best. We'll cool. see. Hopefully. Outstanding. Like you said, there was also Dapke. It was just a really cool mix of everything.
3: And oh, one one of my uh, favorite artists is he is now a local artist in the Tampa area, but he's from Bahrain. He grew up in Bahrain. His name is Fahad TJK. His father's from Bahrain and his mother is Jamaican. And he does and he raps in Arabic. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. What? It's, it's amazing. You know, it just goes to show, like, as the world becomes more and more globalized, like, our identities are more and more complex. Yes. And, and that that should be something to celebrate. It's something amazing and beautiful. And when, you know, when something just makes you go, what? It's it's just a wonderful thing. It's the best.
0: I love celebrating mixed identities and, and um, yeah, celebrating them for as its own thing. It's like being mixed is its own thing to celebrate. Not that I'm biased.
2: (laughs) She's super biased.
0: (laughs) Yeah, as a hybrid myself. I totally,
3: I understand. Yeah, Uh,
2: but I I think in the Middle East we're all pretty well mixed.
3: Interesting. You know, last summer uh, I was, uh, I'm on the board of uh, an organization called Kata, which is the Consortium of Asian American Theaters and Artists. And I was moderating at the... National Asian American Theater Festival that focused on Middle Eastern American theater artists. And what was interesting is just prior to that, there'd been this this kind of subgroup within the Asian American artist community that, you know, of folks who have really hybrid or complex uh, multiracial identities or, or multicultural identities. And they were saying, we need a space to talk about this because there's gonna be more and more in the 21st century. And, you know, it can't just be this fringe thing. Like, we have to be talking about what we bring to the, the conversation of identity and culture. And then right after that was the Middle Eastern panel. And every single artist on the Middle Eastern panel, when they introduced themselves, introduced themselves with this, like, complex. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I'm Iraqi and this, or I'm Egyptian and that, Orkish and, you know what I mean? Like, all yes. of us. Because of the nature of just being, whether it's the center of the Mediterranean or yeah. the histories of conquest and colonization that our yep. homelands have all lived through, it's created very complex identities. And, and I always think that's something to celebrate. So
2: being fellow Lebanese, how many like mixed cultural identities are you aware of? for yourself
3: well so the first complication is that my parents are mixed so like i said my mother is this western european like white american mix and then my father his father's lebanese his mother was actually born in palermo and oh cool yeah and one thing that I learned about Sicily when I had the opportunity to go there is talk about a mixed group of people. Oh my goodness. Damn, that's so cool. Are <laughs> You know, the, it's an island smack in the middle of the Mediterranean and everybody is like French and Tunisian and Italian and Lebanese. And, you know, it's a literally a crossroads of that part of the world. And so even what does it mean to say my grand, I'm not really sure. And then on my father's, uh, my grandfather's, you know Lebanese side i know that they're maronite christian lebanese and that they're supposedly from the mountains kind of northeast of beirut in keserwan but i don't know for sure and you know and even that the ottoman empire was there yeah Mm-hmm. Alexander the Great, like centuries before that, like you know, millennia of people encountering each other and having relationships and mixing, and so I'm I'm kind of curious. I keep wanting to do my DNA test. I haven't done it yet, but I'm because I'm curious. Like, what do we really know about what it means to say I'm Lebanese or the short like, list. It's Even so complex. I mean, that it was all Greater Syria. Yeah. Before the twentieth.
2: Like for me, like the short list is part Armenian, part Turkish, part. Lebanese, like both Beirut centered, and my father was from the mountains. So, what else? Um, Armenian Turkish, Lebanese, and then, of course, we got the people intermarrying in this generation. So, that's going to produce a whole new generation of wonderfully mixed people. And let's see, we're adding Palestinian to the mix this generation and.
0: Oh, how about the Phoenician element?
2: Oh, there's... A, you can argue the Phoenician element.
0: Well, you talk about that. Like, your, I mean, mom, your mom talks about Yeah, that.
2: you can... I feel like that's kind of reaching, but...
3: No, oh. <laughs> so, it's so that's such a Lebanese conversation, can I just say? Yes. <laughs> so, it's like as if you said, oh, no, no, I'm not Egyptian, I'm ancient Egyptian. Like, what does that mean? <laughs>
2: yes, that's, that's oh, exactly... Oh, okay,
0: okay. Yeah, because your mom is always talking about, like, Phoenicia, Phoenicians. I...
2: I feel like that's like an upper class sort of discussion. Like, yeah. oh yeah, we're yeah oh, okay. we're descended from the Phoenicians because we're settled here in Beirut for thousands of years. And I'm like, bullshit! Your grandma, oh okay, your grandma was basically hanging out in Syria, mom.
0: Okay, I didn't fully understand. Well, wh- I mean, you know, the the Phoenicians on.
3: were were a, a specific culture, and in the coastal lands of Lebanon were their their homelands. But yeah. it's such ancient culture that like being able to actually trace. How much Phoenician is left? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. But I and I think that a certain class of folk uh, sometimes use that as a way of saying I'm not Arab, or. Uh. Yeah, it's pretty complicated. It gets, it gets into class and, you know, how we internalize colonialism and what Christian Lebanese say, even my father, he would have died if I said I'm Arab. He would never say that. He would say I'm Lebanese and he would be very specifically not Arab because that would mean this other connotation of things that he was trying so hard not to be.
2: In the united states yeah plus you've got that whole the whole baggage of the pan-arabism movement yeah Yeah. that mess
0: do your parents have that same feeling about the word arab
2: oh oh my god it's it's complicated um
0: (laughs) isn't all of this i guess it is (laughs) yeah
2: it i feel like there was a very strong denial of it after 9 11 like no we're not arab we are lebanese you know Because Arab had become such a tainted, you know, brand, as it were. Part of it was survival, but I think part of it was like, no, we're... We're not these kind of people.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it it can feed into Islamophobia when Christian Lebanese folks or Catholics are trying so hard to distinguish themselves from Muslims. It also feeds into like anti-Palestinian...
2: Oh my God, tell me um, about it.
3: ...issues that are real in in Lebanon and other parts of the Middle East. And, And so for me to say that, to claim being Arab American is very much about taking a position of solidarity. Yes.
0: I just learned a lot. Seriously, I didn't really understand. Just like hearing the comments your mom made, I didn't really get the full context.
2: Well, it's easy to forget that my family, like in Lebanon would be considered like like my mom's family would be considered upper class. And my father's family would be like sort of working middle class. Just because he was from a farming village. And so it's complicated. Yeah. You know, it's like Alia has been my girlfriend for two and a half.
0: Two and a half years. Just... Like, well, yeah, well, this
2: role, two and a half years. And she's been interacting with my families constantly. And we still surprise and her. And I'm still confused. <laughs>
0: But, no, it's really cool to learn about this. And,
3: yeah. You know, I I have um, a, a friend of mine who's Syrian who always introduces me as Syrian. And then I try to, like, you know, gently say, well, actually, Lebanese. And he's like, why do I always think you're Syrian? And I'm like, well, because it's colonialism that has taught us that we're not Syrian. Lebanon was part of Greater Syria, and Syria is a vast complex land mass with many different groups of people in it. And then, you know, the French came along and carved out the land, the best part to to be colonized by the French and controlled by the French, and then spent decades teaching people that they weren't Syrian and that they were special to be Lebanese because Lebanon Beirut was the Paris of the Middle East, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and there's a certain way that folks who had access to the upper class and uh, you know wanted to be special, wanted to be different. Than the others, if it, access to a better life, right? That's how people internalize these colonial concepts, and so uh, and that's still you know with us. It lingered all through the so-called um, civil war of Lebanon, which I don't believe was. civil war it was a proxy war just like the war in syria is now of you know global powers takes a long time to like you know unpack this stuff and look at it and say okay who do i believe myself to be and who do i want to be and what what is it that i want my identity to say and who do
2: i believe about what people say about that
3: right and Um,
0: the implications of what people label themselves
2: plus you've got to unpack like all white america's baggage about what you say on top of that
0: Yep. Right. Added layer. No. But
2: s- slight side track. I feel like we could spend like at least a year's worth of podcast episodes just unpacking the Lebanese civil war. <laughs> oh yeah. Just straight up.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, God. that's a whole series in, in itself.
2: It's oh, ridiculous. That's a lot.
3: <laughs> And you know, I think it's always always important to take the long view, I mean, all of these specific conflicts have their details and specificities, but if you zoom way back and look at patterns, what you see is the global dominance of Western Europe and the United States. Right. And and the way that has destabilized country after country after country. In the middle east in africa and central and south america everywhere that the u.s and western powers have dirt control for the benefit of their economy yeah. right and so you know it's important to unpack those details sometimes but also sometimes it's important to step back and say you know what's happening in palestine is colonialism mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: it's apartheid and it's colonialism
0: yeah what are the common denominators here
3: Right, because if we yeah. talk about it, if then we no longer are playing into like this Middle East exceptionalism and isolationism, right, that we can say our struggle is the struggle that South Africa went through is, yes. you know, is the struggle of different places around the, the world where people of color have been resisting colonialism and neocolonialism and imperialism under global c- capital. And when, when we can make connections, then we don't feel so alone. Then we can build solidarity. Then we can build larger movements and have a have a, a greater voice together. It just drives me. That. The,
2: it drives me crazy. The, for people who still say, "Oh, decolonization happened ages ago," like we're we're
0: <laughs> just we're still in it, boo. Yeah, still <laughs> steeped in it everywhere.
2: I mean, just like yeah. look at the borders in Middle East. Like aside from Israel, they've barely moved in the last hundred years.
0: Mm. Well, and how can people um, connect with you, follow you, etc.? cetera?
3: Uh, yeah, you can find me on social media uh, under my name, Andrea Saf, but also you can follow art to action that's A-R-T number two, A-C-T-I-O-N, art to or uh, art to action on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Perfect. Um, and keep an eye out, that's a little heads up that uh, hasn't fully gone public yet, is that Uh, My show called Eleven Reflections on September is going to go back on tour this coming season.
1: Whoa!
3: Um, And uh, I'm really excited about the direction it's taking. Um, I've in the past toured it as a solo piece or as an ensemble with live music, um, but I'm starting to work with um, presenters in different parts of the country to develop it as a community-based project where. Um, We're going to start in San Antonio, Texas, actually, with the Carver. Allie, can we go? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and we're going to invite local artists and uh, Arab and Middle Eastern communities to be a part of the process and lift their voices as well. So
2: uh,
3: look out for that, and we'll be coming to Texas. Yes. uh, Hopefully to other community near you.
0: Okay, we'll see you again then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited!
2: Oh, so y'all can reach us at thequeerarabs.com, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the Queer Arabs, gmail.com. If you want to talk, if you want to work in Arabic, it's uh, the qu- the
0: Queer Arabs in Arabic at gmail.com for the Arabic side with Ahmed. And stupid, sexy Ahmed. <laughs> he is a popular one. Thank you all so much for listening. Andrew, you're amazing. I'm so glad we got to do this and I got to talk thanks to you. for
3: having me. It's great yes. to, to be on your podcast and I look forward to following what you're up to. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be listening to all the podcasts now.
0: Oh, yay. Likewise, I'm gonna be following what you're up to and I'm really glad to know you're gonna be on tour soon and close yeah. to us. Yeah. So I'm um, very the, excited about that.
2: For the folks who are yeah. wondering, there will be like tons of links posted at thequeerreps.com related to this podcast episode.
0: Yeah, check it out. Thank you again. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Bye.